0: Was the switch to remote learning in March successful? Why do most kids benefit from in-person learning? What will education look like in the fall? How can the government support schools in prioritizing the well-being of students? Welcome back to Stethoscope Podcast. I'm Stephanie Ayler and today's episode will be discussing the pandemic's impact on education. Part one. The Failure of Switching to Remote Learning Coronavirus has impacted all aspects of everyday life, including education. In mid-March, all elementary, high schools, and colleges switched to remote learning due to the pandemic. For more than 55 million through K-12 students, including me, this was a drastic life change. Before schools closed, I would wake up early in the morning to get to class before 8 a.m., I packed snacks and a lunch and spent nearly 7 hours a day learning and constantly being around other people. All of a sudden, I found myself on video calls with my teachers and classmates. I went from seeing classmates every day to only seeing my family. My classes were shortened. It seemed like we were learning much less than we would in regular school, but it often felt harder. It was more difficult to ask teachers questions, and it felt isolating to be in the same location every day staring at a computer screen most of the time it seemed as if the only goal held by everyone was just to make it to the end of the school year there was so much uncertainty we wondered if we would be able to finish school in person when we would be able to see each other again and if we would have to do remote learning again in the fall but i don't want to complain too much about my experience because the virtual education that my school provided was much better than many other students experienced An article in the New York Times suggests that disparities in access to computers, home internet connections, and direct instruction from teachers will likely increase racial and socioeconomic achievement gaps this year. Additionally, an analysis from McKinsey and Company by the New York Times states that the average student could fall seven months behind academically, while Black and Hispanic students could disproportionately be impacted, equivalent to Black children falling ten months behind and Latino children falling nine months behind. The Center on Reinventing Public Education analyzed the learning policies of 477 school districts. They found that wealthy school districts were twice as likely to provide teaching over video calls as low-income districts. The center also found that only 27% of school districts in rural areas required any instruction while schools were closed. Remote learning is difficult for all students, but especially difficult for low-income, rural, black, and Hispanic students and their families. The pandemic has brought to light many pre-existing issues in the U.S. and education inequality is one of them. Remote learning has failed students due to feelings of isolation, a decline in learning, and a lack of resources for minority students. Part 2. Why most kids benefit from in-person learning. For most kids, going to school each day provides necessary structure and routine. School allows students to socialize with friends and provides an environment the kids associate with learning. For many kids, the structure of school allows for better concentration and academic success compared to learning at home. The American Academy of Pediatrics states some of the main benefits of in-person learning for children are schools addressing important learning deficits, child and adolescent physical or sexual abuse, substance use, depression, suicidal thoughts, food security, and physical activity. Physically going to school is what most kids are used to. For me, school is a place I can go to to learn more about myself and the world. And like many other kids, there are some things that I dislike about the school environment. But at the end of the day, after doing almost three months of remote learning, I realize how beneficial in-person learning is for me. Being able to learn in a classroom setting where it's easy to ask for help from both teachers and other students is what I've missed most. So like every other student in the U.S. right now, I've wondered if I'll be back at school in person in the fall. And if so, what will school look like? Will there be a COVID outbreak at my school? What will my school do to keep my classmates and me safe? How will it feel to be around so many other kids that I haven't seen for months? Many schools are already laying out their plans for next year, this summer. Part 3 What schools should do to resume in-person learning safely? At this point, schools, students, and families have recognized the importance of opening schools up in the fall. We know coronavirus is still going to be very much present through the rest of 2020. With cases continuing to rise throughout the U.S., things are not going to resume back to how they used to be until there is an available vaccine. But kids are tired of learning at home, and if parents return to work, kids must have somewhere to go. For all schools, the safety of students and teachers is the top priority. Additionally, many public health officials support schools reopening in a modified way. Dr. Fauci spoke to CNN in early June, saying, In some situations, there will be no problem for children to go back to school. In others, you may need to do some modifications. You know, modifications could be breaking up the class so you don't have a crowded classroom, maybe half in the morning, half in the afternoon, having children do alternate schedules, So as the school year gets closer and closer, many schools should plan on social distancing when possible, including desks separated 6 feet apart and smaller class sizes, PPE such as requiring masks, testing and temperature checks, and regular cleaning protocols. Schools also must plan for sporadic closures in the case of an outbreak, and must provide remote learning options for parents that choose not to send their kids to school before a vaccine is available. Some schools, including colleges, are planning to combine in-person and virtual learning to limit the number of students in classes together. Schools should postpone large gatherings, such as sports games and school dances, and modify lunchtime by only allowing outdoor seating or limited amounts of students in the cafeteria at a time. Schools should require face coverings. They should encourage students to stay home if they feel sick by providing easy at-home learning options so kids don't feel like they have to attend school to prevent falling behind. Schools must be open to quickly changing plans that don't work. Lastly, schools must make the mental health of students a priority. This is a difficult time for everyone. Part 4. What going back to school will look like this fall for me. For the last few months, I've been worried about what this next school year will look like for me. In the fall, I'm entering my senior year of high school. My school sent an email a few days ago laying out the plans for next year. While I'm still nervous for the new school year to start, I think my school is doing everything they can do to make school as safe as possible. Starting off, my school is requiring everyone to wear a face covering. They mentioned they are looking into face shields as an option for younger pre-k to first grade students who may have a more difficult time with masks, but for older students, masks are required. They state that masks are the number one tool that will allow our school to safely reopen. My city is already requiring masks in public, but I'm extremely glad to see that my school will have a strict mask policy that includes teachers and staff holding students accountable for keeping their mask on properly. My school will have options for both in-person and at-home learning, depending on what students and parents decide is best for their family. I assume this means students at home being either able to join the class through live video calls Are all classes being recorded so kids can watch a video of the class from home. My school also stated that our school's experience with virtual learning in the spring will allow us to easily switch to remote learning if there's a spike in cases in our community or if another stay at home order is implemented. Additionally, traditional high school events that we usually have such as orientation, sports games, school dances, and pep rallies may be cancelled or slightly modified. The goal is to have as few students gather together as possible and lunch is going to take place outside or in individual classrooms if the weather doesn't permit us to eat outside, and they also mention utilizing all outdoor spaces as much as possible and increased sanitation, so I'm looking forward to going back to school. I miss my teachers and my classmates, and I'm hopeful that the measures that my school is taking will work. Part 5. How the government can support schools in reopening. So far, Schools haven't received that much instruction from the federal government. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten said in an interview with CNN that she is frustrated by the lack of federal guidance and funding, saying, I've never experienced a situation where we've gotten no guidance from the federal government. We've gotten nothing from Betsy DeVos, who's the current Secretary of Education, and we've gotten very little from the CDC and very little from the HHS. Additionally, Schools must have a fully online option to accommodate high-risk students, teachers, and family members. This may require providing technology to students and teachers. Also, some schools may need to hire more teachers to accommodate smaller class sizes to keep kids separated. All of this costs money. The government must aid schools in providing a safe environment for children this school year. Thank you so much for listening to Stethoscope. Once again, I'm Stephanie Ayler. be smart, Be safe, be informed, and I'll see you next time.